Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Lowell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Appreciate it. It's great to have you here. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to hang out with us here on the Beyond the Story podcast. I sure do appreciate it. I look forward to to digging into your story and learning a little bit more about you and what you've built over at uh, Traction Advising. But before we get into all that, let, let's help our listeners better understand a little bit more about you and, and your backstory and what really brought you to present day with what you're what you're working on. Yeah, it's uh, like, like accidental bankers, what I call it. I mean, I was a computer science electrical engineer back in the day, uh, went to work for a Fortune 500 company, Rockwell Automation, went in their sales training program. So I actually never did any engineering. Uh, my wife says I'm a fake engineer, which is probably true. Um, I did try to do some wiring in a house once, and that's very different than engineering. But uh, yeah, I had a career at Rockwell for uh, over 15 years, went up to the, the sales ranks, and then uh, went to a, a startup, um, uh, online market research data collection company, early stage, to help scale that from a million to 50 million in revenue, and then went to work for a competitor based in Europe. I was there for six years and helped scale that from 10 million to 120 million. Um, and then I went and co-founded a company, um, a fintech, healthcare fintech company, a CEO for six years. And then all three of those companies were acquired, one by uh, private equity, one by a strategic, um, and then the last one by a strategic as well. And along the way, I acquired about a dozen companies. It was a part of acquiring and integrating about a dozen companies. So I became familiar with the M&A process. And, uh, was not impressed with the banker's ability to sell. And I had an enterprise selling background. So when it came time to sell a company that I co-founded, I just thought there was a better way to sell technology companies. I, I, I believe that positioning a technology company is much like selling a technology product. It's not like selling a financial instrument. So it's 80% selling is 20% financials, which in fairness to many companies that are, that are complicated, right? If you've got offices in 12 countries, if you've got, you know, complicated assets and you've got work in progress and you've got intercompany uh, transfer pricing and, and uh, foreign exchange, you know, you've got a complex thing. You, you need a banker because you've got complex financials and you need to get it right before you sell it. But for SaaS companies, financials are relatively simple. So I believed I could do a better job of selling the company. I ran the process ourselves. We were successful. I had an investor ask uh, me to, to help out with another project, which I did and realized there's an opportunity out there to help small B2B SaaS companies, you know, five to 20 million in revenue uh, to kind of do a better job of representing them to help their founders, you know, get to a liquidity event. So that's, that's how we ended up here. That was about seven years ago. And um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I, I bet pretty good at it. It sounds like you enjoy what you're doing. I mean, my goodness, buying 12 companies at one time, you're kind of lazy. <laughs> well, that was over a period of time. So, sure. yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I guess once you do it, 
and you've got experience doing it and you definitely think that there can be a better way, a better process of doing it. I, I would assume that the process becomes a little bit easier for you. Does it ever get easier and easier with, with, with that process? It does. I think, um, you know, a sales process is a lot about walking the buyer through the, the, the buying process, right? Buying a company is not trivial. You don't just say, you know, it's not like, you know, buying a new refrigerator. You say this was, you know, it, it's, it's a big deal. There are a lot of different moving parts internally. So understanding what the, how the buying process works is, is a little bit of the uh, hidden advantage that I've got. I just know I've lived that side of it, right? It said this, say, if you haven't done it, you just don't always know the conversations, the backstories, how HR is involved, the CTO. So it's just a little bit different. Um, and then, you know, it just having a, a sales background, I, I, I love selling. I've been involved in it my whole career. And, you know, one of the things I tell people, you know, it, you, you would never put your CFO in charge of sales and marketing, right? So why would you hire a financially driven company like bankers to sell your company? I mean, it's, it just doesn't make sense. Most, most CFOs would be bottom quartile salespeople, right? But this, in fairness, it's just a different skill set, right? Salespeople would be terrible CFOs for the most part. They would be awful, right? You would, you would, <laughs> so uh, you'd never put your, your, your SVP of sales in charge of, of your finances because it would be disastrous. So they're just different skill sets. But um, just historically, when companies were complex, financially, bankers were required. It, but, but they're just not natural salespeople. So it's a bit, it's a bit of a process, but there's a lot of art to it and nuance and reading body language and people understanding obstacles, identifying people's concerns. There's a lot of emotion that gets involved in it, as logical as we'd like to think a lot of these big deals are. Honestly, even billion-dollar deals, there's often uh, emotion and, and ego and paranoia. All of those things get wrapped up. So you have to understand the, the human side of the equation to, to get deals done as well. And what does that human side look like? Let's talk about that for a minute because I find that interesting because usually, you know, from the outside looking in, you think, of course, these deals, you know, they either happen or they don't. And if they don't, well, we move on with our day. And if they do, you know, people are excited and happy. But that in between, just like you got done saying, there's a lot involved with that process and human emotions and that, that entire side of things. What are, what right. are some of the things that, that, that you've experienced through that? Most of us are wired Fairly similarly, at least at some level, right? There are a lot of different opinions, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, most people, they, they want to do a good job. They want to be successful. They want to make money. They want their boss to, to be impressed with what they do. They want some sense of achievement. Um, so, you know, it's, it's on both sides, by the way. It's for the, the, the sellers got issues. There's things that they're, 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 they're afraid of or things that they don't understand. So kind of protecting them. But then on the, on the buy side, Ultimately, people will buy a company because they think it benefits them. They're not doing it because they want to make you wealthy. They it, somehow it selfishly benefits them, which is fine. So part of it is, is understanding what that might be. Are, are you? Is there a product gap? Are is there? Are you based in Europe and you want to move into the U.S. or in the U.S. you want to move into Europe? So you want to buy a company that's similar uh, that that's based somewhere else, and then understanding uh, will it be successful? You know or um, you know, helping them understand, hey, you know, it's a it's a five million dollar company today, but they've got a hundred customers. You've got ten thousand. If even ten percent of your company's adopted, you know, that the company's now ten times what it was before. You know, that's a pretty low bar. Um, and helping them understand why it would be successful. It's kind of reaffirming um, why things would work. But but part of it is um, there are a lot of different reasons. You know, we had uh, remain unnamed. I remember a. a 
VP did an acquisition once at a company I work for, and th- that had a bad year. And he said, well, if we do an acquisition, it scrambles the numbers and we kind of start over again. So it kind of masked the bad year. So you know, it was a little bit tongue in cheek, but there's a little bit of seriousness behind it that, uh, that it, it helped to buy them more time take, to take the spotlight off them. So there are a lot of different reasons and emotions why, why people would do what they want to do. And sometimes it really is driven by, I, I want to win. I want to be powerful. I want to, I want to be number one, you know, whatever it might be to the extent that this, this fits into their, their worldview of what they want to become. Um, it's more likely to get done. Why do you think the number one reason, not number one reason, I guess, that, let me rephrase that. The, 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 the most popular reasons are that someone would actually want to sell a business because if the business is thriving and it's doing well, why in the world would you ever want to sell it? If the business sucks and it's not making money, why in the world would anybody want to buy it? Me having, right. having never sold or bought a company yet, keywords here yet. Uh, I always ask those questions. I know it's kind of like, yeah. you know, um, you know, the, the, the average, you know, the, the average person asking that question kind of outside looking in, but I'm always curious on why people want to, I mean, I, you know, outside the obvious of, you know, life change, they want to retire, which not a lot of people do these days, but curious to hear. Yeah, your no, it's a, it's a really, really, really good question. And it's one of the first questions I'll ask people like, why, why do you want to do this? Like, what do you, what, what's behind it? And, and what you find people just by nature, right? By they're almost self-defining people that start up a company are entrepreneurial. Like they have an idea, they want to solve a problem. And at some point when you're successful, it becomes operational, right? You can't have everyone, you know, once you've got a hundred employees, you, you can't have everyone being entrepreneurs and creating new and different ways to deliver products to people, right? Cause it's chaos on the customer side. So it just by necessity becomes more operational to scale it, which can be less interesting. Um, some companies, uh, oftentimes entrepreneurs, particularly on the, on the tech side, they have they're going to build the. They want to be a. They want to be a unicorn, right? They want to build a billion dollar company, and they're five, six, seven, ten years into it, and it's a linear growth company, right? It's it's 10, 20 percent. It's a good company, but they're never going to hit that hockey stick growth, and and they're tired, and they want to do something else, right? Or they want someone else to feel the pressure that they've been owning. Um, the other piece I would say is often someone will be five, seven, ten. You know, if you're a five to 10 to 20 million dollar you know ARR decent company you know the multiples on that just pick a median multiple of 5 right that's a that's a 25 uh, to 100 million dollar company that's a lot of money and often people have all of their eggs in one basket we would talk about their personal balance sheet you know they've got significant personal wealth and it's it's not liquid and it's all in that company and something could disrupt that dramatically and make it go away so it gives them a chance to take some money off the table if they're bought by private equity, often private equity may buy 70% of it. They can roll over 30%. They can stay on. So it allows them to, to put some money in the bank, give them some stability, some security, and then move on. So, But I'd say, you know, the other thing is sometimes you've got investors, often have investors. Um, investors' funds have a life, right? They've got a 10-year life. You know, if, you're, if you come in in the middle, you know, five years out, they're, they're looking for some liquidity. So there may be pressure from investors to, uh, to put, put some money back to their investors. And it, I've I've been hearing a lot of conversations lately, and I don't know if this is just these you know an unconventional uh, new method. I'm sure it's been around for quite some time. But being able to buy businesses or buy a percentage of businesses with no cash, meaning they're willing to give up a percentage of the company uh, in order for you to to buy it or whatever. That you know, are, are you is that is that ever on your radar at all? Those type of deals happening, or are they all strictly investor, one person selling, one person's buying? Um, I'm not 
sure I'm familiar with that. When yeah. you say, what, what, what are they getting in exchange? If they're not getting cash, are they getting stock in the new company or is it? Yeah, they're buying the company, basically coming on as an advisor uh, and a partner with mm. the company and gaining a percentage versus buying into the company. Um, oh, so basically saying, Hey, you've got a company that's doing 5 million a year. I can get you to 10 million a year, but I want 20% of the company and I'll come in and show you how to do it. Interesting. Yeah. You can do that. Um, typically, uh, I would advise people, you're probably wiser to do that with stock options because you just don't know where you have to yeah. invest into it. Um, there are other complications if you give people equity, but you might want to, you know, you bring them on as a, as a co-founder and you give them equity instead of compensation. That's certainly, that's something that some people will do. Um, but but it's a pretty big bet, and and yeah. you know I've, I've seen oftentimes you'll bring someone on because you think they'll fill this role, but then it turns out they don't for whatever reason right. it doesn't work out. Right. So if you've given away twenty percent of the company, you can come to regret that. So you want to do it in a way that's fair to both parties, um, but it's also fair to both parties if it doesn't work out for whatever reason. Absolutely. Which can be as simple as you just don't like each other. You just don't want to work together, right? They, or, <laughs> right. or they don't have the skills that you thought they did or or the advisor in the moment thought it was interesting, but then they get distracted and all of a sudden they're not really as involved as you'd like them to be. Yeah. I mean, there's several different, uh, what I like to call Scooby-Doo endings that could, that, yeah. that, that, that yeah. could happen there. <laughs> what, what would you say, what, what would you say the most difficult part of your job is? Um. I'd say the most difficult part, or the, the, the part that's most challenging is often when you get uh, close to closing on, on some deals, uh, the tensions get higher, the political capital has been exhausted, and and when things come up, uh, it, it can be pretty tense. People can react more strongly than they would earlier in the process. So uh, managing emotional um, responses to things and finding sometimes, you know, we need this, we won't do it. Finding a third way that satisfies both parties is probably um, sometimes the most interesting part. Like it, it, that's where the art part comes in, you know, to be, be creative, to, to truly understand each party's concern and then find a way to address that concern, but satisfy the other party's need for whatever needs to be done. That's probably where the most sort of creative diplomacy is required. And and so you've been doing this for quite some time. Do you think you'll ever stop doing it? <laughs> That's a good question. I love doing what I do. So uh, yeah. you know, as as I, I've I've got a ten year roadmap right now to keep doing this, and then I think even after that, maybe in a lesser capacity, would like to still stay involved. It's it's fun for me to hear. Just like you ask people their stories, maybe I should come work for you. I love yeah. learning people's stories, and the fun yeah. part is when I pick up a new client. It's like you know, they've got a vertical niche software in things that like, I can't even believe it exists. I'm like, wow, that's a thing. You find out, wow, that's a, this, this really works. Like, that's really cool. And then when we talk to the buyers, <clears throat> we get to hear their story about the company and, and what they're in. So, so the, the, it satisfies sort of a, like an intellectual curiosity part that, that, that I find interesting. And, um, and it's rewarding to help invest. I know how hard it is to start a company, have any kind of level of success. And then, to have a liquidity event is is really fun. You can't put a price tag on, you know, when it closes and the money hits the bank and the smiles on their faces after, because it's hard. To, I mean, it's hard to build a company. It's hard to sell a company. So when you hit that finish line and kind of win together as a team, it's uh, it's priceless. It's it's pretty cool. So I, then, I would I would hate to ever have to give that up. Yeah. Well, as soon as that's all done, you get to start all over again. 
You, you know, do. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to be a little bit, a little bit ADD to do this, you know, cause you got about a six month process and then you start all over again. And a lot of people just wouldn't want to do that. Once they've done all the hard work to learn it, they just want to keep doing it. But I, I'm wired strangely that I love starting over again. So when you're not helping people buy and sell companies and, and, and involved in that world, what, uh, what, what, what keeps you busy? What do you like to do outside of, uh, the world of business? Uh, well, I strangely, I do, uh, I do like angel investing. So I, I, I uh, mostly through funds now. So I, I, that, that's kind of similar kind of stay invested that way, but, uh, play a little bit of tennis, um, bought a cottage on a lake back in Michigan. So, um, got a boat now for the, and a summer, dock. For the summer, right? For the summer. I live in Seattle. Then we go to Michigan. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I live forth. in Seattle. We go to Michigan for the winter. It's beautiful there. Yeah. On the lake. yeah. Why would you not do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's well, fun. Uh, I I bet. So it sounds like you're uh, you're, you're doing life right, Lowell. You're, you're you're enjoying what you do. You do what you love. You love what you do, and uh, you know enjoy yourself all, all the way through the process. I think this day and age that our business becomes more uh, uh, it really complements our life and our lifestyle a lot more than it ever yeah. used to. Before it was you know Monday through Friday nine to five, and then you got the weekends yeah. and holidays, and you live your life. Now everything, especially after the past couple of years, we figured out how to do just about whatever we need to do to just operate with life and business and and, and keep it going so yeah well yeah. Uh, it's it's been great to uh to, to hear your story and learn more about you and what you're doing to help businesses um acquire and uh be acquired uh obviously work that matters keeps the world going round as well as the the the, the world of business going around uh any final thoughts for our listeners no just like you said i mean life is short it goes quickly like figure out what you truly figure out what you're good at and, uh, and, and what you like to do and, and try to find a way to do that. And you'll probably be successful with it. Um, however you mark success, but you'll probably be a lot happier. You spend a lot of your, most of your, arguably your best hours are spent at work. So if you're miserable, go find something else. Life's too short. Yeah. yeah. You can make just enough money doing something that makes you happy. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can do. Yeah. People get stuck in something. They feel like, I, they, well, they get comfortable with it. Um, but, you know, scare yourself, you know, some, just, just, Jump, try something new and different. Yeah. yeah. That's the world, world of entrepreneurship for you. Constantly, yeah. uh, at, at constant uncertainty. Um, but exactly. uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're cut from a certain thread here. Well, Lowell, it's been great to chat with you. Thanks again for your time and hanging out with us here on the Beyond the Story podcast. I wish you nothing but ongoing success with what you're doing. And we'll have to uh, maybe uh, hit some tennis balls one of these days when I'm in Seattle. That sounds good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for doing what you do. Right. Thanks, Lowell. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. yeah. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com.